Nick, what would it like Ben Robert Smith to reflect on first? Oh, yeah, last question. Um, I'd like Ben Robert Smith to reflect on the pain that he's brought lots of men in the SAS who stood up and told the truth about his conduct. They were mocked and belittled in court. They were bullied. They were intimidated. Some had letters sent to them, threatening letters. I'd like Ben Robert Smith to reflect on the people he murdered, the man he kicked off a cliff, the Afghan villagers. Uh, that's what I think Ben Robert Smith should reflect on. From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Ben Robert Smith dined with Prime Ministers and attended the Queen's funeral as a hero just last year. He was held up as an icon of the Australian Defence Force. A huge portrait of him still hangs today in the Australian War Memorial. Now, a court has found that allegations Ben Robert Smith is a murderer, a war criminal and a bully who disgraced his country have been proven. Today, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper and author of The Unwinnable War, Karen Middleton. On Ben Robert Smith, how the truth was proven and why investigations into war crimes in Afghanistan must continue. It's Monday, June 5. 1486 of 2018, Ben Robert Smith and the Age Company Proprietary Limited and others, and NSD 1487 of 2018. So Karen, on Thursday, the defamation claims that were launched by former SAS soldier Ben Robert Smith against three newspapers and three journalists were thrown out. In light of my conclusions, each proceeding must be dismissed. At this point, I would order... Justice Anthony Bisenko found that the newspapers had proven that Robert Smith is a war criminal who was involved in the, the unlawful killing and assault of Afghan prisoners. The most serious allegations made in the particulars of truth are that the applicant murdered or was complicit in or and responsible for the murder of Afghan males who were under control or containment. There was so much at stake in this case. There was millions of dollars, there was the reputation of, of journalists and news organisations and, and perhaps even the future of investigative journalism in Australia. So as you watched that judgement being handed down on Thursday, what were you thinking? Well, I thought it vindicated the work of those journalists, which I had always thought was truthful, I wasn't surprised at the result. I was perhaps surprised at how definitive it was. I thought it might have been a little bit more on the one hand, on the other hand. But having spoken to just one or two of the Special Forces soldiers who have been involved in this case and heard what they've had to say about Ben Robert Smith and his activities in the past, I believed them. And so I'm not surprised that the judge believed them as well. This is a massive defamation case. The biggest we've seen possibly ever in Australia, 100 days of evidence, 40-plus witnesses and a huge amount at stake on either side of the argument, both on the side of a highly decorated Australian soldier and on the side of a media organisation and journalists who were trying to tell the truth. Now, what we have to remember about this, though, Ruby, is that this was a civil trial. Defamation is a civil tort and that's different to a criminal trial. The burden of proof is different. It's not as high in a civil trial. So the journalists did not have to prove as much in terms of truth of the allegations as a court might have to prove if 
there was a criminal charge laid. So that's a really important distinction. This was an issue of defamation and at the heart of defamation is reputation. And that also goes to what the judge found. He found that most of these allegations were substantially true and a couple of them he said he couldn't find that they were substantially true but he found they were contextually true. And what that means in this case is the context is reputation when we're talking about defamation. And because such serious allegations, allegations of murder, were found to be substantially true, war crimes, the fact that he couldn't find the substantial truth in a couple of other allegations, including an allegation that Ben Robert Smith bashed his then lover, the judge said, that could not further damage his reputation because the reputational damage of the imputations he found were true was so great that the others didn't matter and he dismissed Ben Robert Smith's whole case. Mm. Well, let's talk about those allegations then that were first published in the nine papers beginning back in 2018, these serious allegations of murder and war crimes that have been found to be true. What are the details of those events as reported? Well, yes, this was the work of of Nick McKenzie and Chris Masters primarily and also their colleague David Rowe at the nine newspapers. And it was a series of feature stories detailing incredible allegations. And at the heart, there were six alleged murders that were examined in this case. And the judge found that four of those allegations were substantially true. Now, One of the key allegations here that that got a lot of attention related to an incident in 2009 when Ben Robert Smith and other Special Forces soldiers went to a compound, a Taliban compound, that had been codenamed Whiskey 108. Now, there was evidence before the court that there were two men who came out of a tunnel in that compound and the allegation was that Ben Robert Smith killed one of those men. It was a man who had a prosthetic leg and directed another soldier, a junior, to kill the second man in a form of a a sort of a blooding or an initiation ritual. Now, he told the court there weren't any men in the tunnel. He said uh, there were some insurgents who were killed lawfully, but that they were not unarmed and they, they were not ordinary Afghan civilian citizens. And this is a key point because the laws of war govern exactly what you can do as a soldier in a circumstance like that. If someone is posing a threat, someone is armed and someone can be proven to be an insurgent, then it is lawful to kill them. But if they are not posing any immediate threat, then it is unlawful. And this is what the court found in this case. It found that Ben Robert Smith unlawfully killed this man and ordered someone else to kill the second man and then took the prosthetic leg uh, back to the, the soldiers' quarters and had his fellow soldiers including back in Australia, use it as a novelty drinking vessel. So there was a celebratory aspect to what had occurred. In another of these incidents, Ben Robert Smith was said to have ordered an Afghan ally to kill an Afghan man, a prisoner they were questioning, who wasn't demonstrating signs of violence. And the court found the newspapers proved those allegations. So, Karen, let's talk about the the third incident, the most high profile, I think, of of all of these killings, the killing of of Ali Jan. A lot of the evidence at the trial centred around his death and there were these conflicting accounts about what happened. But tell me about what was proven. Well, that's right. The killing of Ali Jan has become the one incident that has really put the human face, I guess, in terms of the Afghans. 
to this whole event, and that is a murder that took place in September of 2012 in Darwan in uh, Afghanistan. And it is a murder in which Ben Robert Smith engaged an Afghan civilian, was interviewing him, took him to the edge of a cliff and then kicked him off the cliff. Now, he was badly injured in the fall but still alive at the bottom of the cliff. The court heard that he was then dragged away and that with Ben Robert Smith sort of overseeing the the events, another soldier was encouraged to shoot him and killed him. Now, that event was also found to have been proven and in finding these events substantially true, Judge Bazanko found that Ben Robert Smith had broken both the legal and the moral rules of war and had disgraced his country. Mm. It's a, a damning assessment of, of Ben Robert Smith's actions and a real reversal of his position and reputation, isn't it? Because before all of this happened, before it was made public, he was hailed as a war hero. He was a Victoria Cross recipient. He was arguably Australia's most decorated veteran. So as far as his reputation goes, there was a lot at stake for him, a lot riding on this outcome. So tell me a bit about what this decision by the federal court means for Ben Robert Smith. Well, in terms of his future, that's the big question, isn't it? Interestingly, Ben Robert Smith went to the court every day for the trial and we know this was an incredibly long trial. It hasn't been a defamation case like it in Australian history. It was 100 days of evidence, more than 40 witnesses, and he attended every day. And when the judgment came down on Thursday, he was nowhere to be seen. Media had reported he was in Bali on holiday. So on judgment day, he did not show up. A lot of people, including me, were puzzled, really flummoxed at why he brought this action at all because of the risk it posed to what had been a shiny reputation. He had taken the decision, I guess, because the publication of these stories had already um, really changed the public view of a man who had been, up until that point, the soldier from central casting. He was the pin-up for the Defence Force and political leaders used him that way. They associated themselves with him. He was uh, squired about and held up as the great example of Australian soldiering. The Minister calls him one of our greatest living Australians. Let's meet Corporal Ben Robert-Smith, who joins us from Perth. Good morning to you. Congratulations. Mate, you look decidedly uncomfortable at the ceremony yesterday. Is is it hard for you to be singled out? Uh, Yeah, look, (laughs) it's it's not not the normal uh, thing for us, obviously. you know, and to be singled out amongst a group of blokes that uh, that fought so well is uh, very humbling. He became a celebrity. He was awarded with Australia Day honours. He was named the chair of the National Australia Day Council. He was made Father of the Year. His portrait hangs in the Australian War Memorial. His uniform is on display there. So, you know, he really became the, the celebrity soldier. And he went into corporate life. He was highly paid to go on the speaking circuit, and then he took a job with Kerry Stokes' Seven West Media running his media operations at Channel 7 in Brisbane. And so this is a high-profile individual, much lauded and awarded, who then parlayed his military success into a high-profile and successful career in media with a very powerful media mogul in Kerry Stokes as his backer. And so it was a long way to fall, and that is why I guess he decided to bring this defamation action. 
But now, with all of these events having been ventilated in court, with his former colleagues standing up and telling what happened, uh, as distinguished soldiers, he has been proven to be a liar and a war criminal. And that is an extraordinary turn around in the man's reputation. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro therapy. Yeah, yeah, if, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So, Karen, as you say, a court has determined that it's been proven now that Ben Robert Smith is a liar and a war criminal. But this was a defamation trial, not a criminal trial. How likely is it that we will see a criminal case pursued now? Because certainly while this is a victory for the nine papers, a defamation outcome means a lot less for the families of those who were killed. So surely they'll be looking for a different measure of justice here. Well, that's right. And I think the point has been made in the wake of the judgment that while this is vindication in terms of truth of what the special forces witnesses said they saw and of what the Afghans said they saw, and in that sense it is vindication for the families, it's not justice yet. So there will be an examination of whether there need to be criminal charges, and that's going to be a very long, slow process because, as we've said, the burden of proof is much higher in criminal proceedings. More has to be proven. It's not as straightforward even as it was in this defamation case. So there's a lot to go yet before we ever see if we ever see a criminal charge laid. I'm sure that criminal proceedings would be what the Afghan families involved in this defamation case would want to see. And I don't doubt that some of the Special Forces soldiers who gave evidence against Ben Robert Smith would also like to see. So these are soldiers we have to remember who did serve with distinction and who have been very troubled for a long time by what they saw. You know, for those who hear the findings in this defamation trial and say, oh, you don't understand the fog of war, the dangerous environment, the snap decisions that have to be made, you can't understand unless you've served in battle, these distinguished soldiers who gave evidence understand very well the difference between what is right and wrong on a battlefield. Sure, there are sometimes decisions that have to be made in the heat of battle judgments, snap judgments that can be questioned later. But these were not those. These were examples of decisions that were made to take the lives of unarmed and defenceless Afghan civilians and then to pretend that they posed a threat. And that's why you saw so many Special Forces soldiers lining up, people of protected identity, giving evidence in difficult circumstances to testify that what happened 
was wrong and was in breach of the laws of war and they understand what those laws are very well. Mm. Yeah, can we talk a bit more about what this means for the Australian military? Because on the one hand, the truth of war crimes, it can be read as an indictment on the culture at the SAS when Ben Robert Smith was there. But as you point out, on the other hand, the fact that so many SAS soldiers blew the whistle shows that there was disquiet and a desire to do the right thing. Well, I think, Ruby, it'll have a mixed impact I'm sure on one level because having this confirmed by a court brings shame on the military. There will be uh, maybe some damage to morale in that respect, that the fact that a court has found that a soldier of such previously high standing has engaged in these activities is further confirmation of what emerged out of the Brereton inquiry from three years ago that really first started to formalise the allegations about war crimes involving Australian soldiers. These findings allege the most serious breaches of military conduct and professional values. The killing, the unlawful killing of civilians and prisoners is never acceptable. But also it does vindicate the truth of those soldiers that I've spoken about, the Special Forces soldiers who served with honour and distinction and who believe very strongly in those as core principles underpinning what they do on a battlefield and the way they serve and represent their country. So I would hope that Australian soldiers would see this decision as a positive thing because it does underline the difference between what is honourable and lawful and what is not. And they, I am sure, are all seeking to serve their country in an honourable and lawful way. The profession of arms has always been described thus. And so soldiers in Australia wearing the Australian uniform should see this as a good thing, that the truth is coming out and that we can very clearly understand the difference between right and wrong and celebrate the valour and the sacrifice of those who serve their country in the way that was intended. Mm. And Karen, this result, it's obviously a, a huge vindication for nine newspapers and, and the journalists who wrote those stories. Ben Robert Smith, of course, might still appeal, but how significant do you think that this moment is for press freedom and, and for the future of investigative journalism in Australia? I think it's very significant. I think if the result had gone the other way, it would have had a huge chilling effect on public interest journalism. We already have defamation laws in this country that make it much more difficult in Australia than in other parts of the world to engage in this kind of journalism. And defamation laws are often used to stifle public discourse and the airing of serious and important information and allegations. Complainants will often lodge defamation proceedings just to threaten a journalist to get them to back off. So this result is very important in that regard. But I think if we want things to improve, we really need changes to those defamation laws. We really need a serious review of them. And this whole case is evidence of the importance of the role of journalism, that sometimes it is only through journalism that we get to know things that are done in our name in secret. And I think that's a very important uh, function in a thriving democracy. And so I think the day of judgment in the case of Ben Robert Smith was a good day. If not for him, then for the rest of the country. Mm. And just finally, you've covered the war in Afghanistan. You've you've been there. You've interviewed soldiers, families of soldiers and, and Afghan citizens. 
these war crimes, how do they affect the legacy of Australia's involvement in the conflict? Uh, I think, of course, they tarnish the legacy. They're watched very closely by our allies and those who might not be so friendly in countries in other parts of the world. We are held to account for these allegations, these shocking allegations, and we know that the Office of Special Prosecutor is examining many allegations against other soldiers. We should remember that most Australian soldiers served with distinction, as I've said, and not all soldiers should be tarnished with this legacy, but certainly it's important that we have a clear-eyed view of what happened in Afghanistan. We examine the truth of it. We don't just end the war, close the book and erase the history and move on. And I think we have a, a habit in this country of doing that at the end of a conflict that maybe didn't end in the manner that we would have hoped. It happened a bit with Vietnam and we're at grave risk of it happening with Afghanistan unless governments and military leaders take a long, hard look at exactly what went on and that we in the rest of Australia are allowed to know the truth of what went on in Australia's longest war. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, the Australian Federal Police has submitted a new brief of evidence to Commonwealth prosecutors of allegations Robert Smith intimidated witnesses who testified at his defamation trial. In the tapes, Robert Smith reportedly criticises what he characterised as the SAS's code of silence, saying, quote, It's real simple. I stick to the fucking code, mate. 100% and I have. And the death toll continues to rise in India's deadliest train crash in two decades. The crash took place when one passenger train switched rails and collided with a freight train, which in turn was knocked into derailing another passenger train. The combined number of passengers involved in the crash is believed to be 2,000. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.